0: This is Julie D. from NordoniaHills.News. The Cleveland Sports Show starts now. Hello, what is up everyone? Welcome to another awesome, exciting, invigorating episode of the Cleveland Sports Show this week. Ton to talk about. Unfortunately, Andrew is not able to make it with us this upcoming Friday. Nonetheless, so much to talk about. So much to discuss with all of you today. But let's get started with our sports fact of the week. And of course, today is April 12th, and we actually have some NHL hockey stats for you today. As on this day, all the way back in 1942, Jack Adams, the coach and general manager of, um, of the Detroit Red Wings, fights with an official following a 4-3 loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs in Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Finals. At the Olympia in Detroit, after winning the first three games of the series, the Red Wings blow a chance at a sweep by squandering leads of two to nothing in the second period and three to two in the third period, incensed over penalties called on his players, Adams trades punches with referee Mel Harwood. The crowd litters the ice with debris, and police escort Hardwood out of the arena. The NHL suspends Adams indefinitely. With Adams on the sidelines, Toronto will win the next three games of the series by final scores of nine to three, three to nothing, and three to one. And because of those three wins after that fight, including Jack Adams, the Toronto Maple Leafs they eventually took the Stanley Cup in 1942 to get them that another championship banner, which is hanging proudly in Scotiabank Arena right now. We're going to move from the ice now to the grassy field with a soccer, with soccer goals. That's right. MLS soccer is up next. Now let's get it started with these standings. And for all of you crew fans out there, it's time to celebrate and party because the Columbus crew are at the top of the Eastern Conference standings. They were able to go ahead, um, over DC United. The crew now have six wins, four, or excuse me, six matches played with four wins, one draw, and a loss combined for 13 points. And then two points behind them is DC United, three wins, two draws, and a loss to get them a combined 11 points. Toronto, I just mentioned them, but this isn't the hockey team, this is the soccer team because we're talking MLS soccer. Toronto, though, four matches played. Three wins, a draw, no losses. They're the only team in the MLS Eastern Conference so far without any losses on the season. Ten points thanks to those three wins, draw, and loss. Philadelphia is up next in number four. In six matches, they have three wins, one draw, and two losses for a total of ten points. And then finally, in fifth place, if you're not a fan of the crew, and uh, you're not from Columbus, maybe you'll be a fan of this other soccer team from Ohio, Cincinnati FC, taking the number five spot in the MLS Eastern Conference this week. Six matches played, 2-2-2 two, two, two across the board, of course, with two wins, two draws, and two losses for a total of eight points. Now, in the Western Conference, LAFC is making noise. Best team in the league so far according to the numbers, because of course the numbers don't lie. 16 points thanks in six matches played, thanks to five wins, one draw, and zero losses. Ladies and gentlemen, there are actually three teams against the one team in the Eastern Conference. There are three teams in the Western Conference of the MLS who have yet to lose a game. It's almost like the NBA where the Western Conference is the more dominant and more talented, possibly, of the MLS. Well, of course, the numbers are certainly proving that and like I said before, numbers do not lie. Now, more specifically, let's cuz we are in Ohio, let's get into some Columbus Crew talk. The Crew defeated the New England Revolution last Saturday by a final score of 1 to nothing at home. New England actually one of their players got a red card, which means that what that specific player who got the red card is basically ejected from the game, and then New England had to suffer playing with 10 men for the rest of the game. That was the last game, uh, That was, or excuse me, that was the only game that happened between our shows here at the Cleveland Sports Show. But I will let you know about the upcoming games for the crew, of course. Tomorrow at 1 o'clock, they'll be Eastern Time. They'll be in Montreal to take on the Impact. Then they'll come home for a two-game homestand at Mapfree Stadium for dates against Portland, as well as D.C. United, who are the second seed. So Wednesday, we'll be able to, um, excuse me, April 24th, that Wednesday, we will see, as of now, the two best teams in the MLS Eastern Conference facing off against one another. And then after that Wednesday, the 24th matchup against D.C. United, The Houston Dynamo will host the crew way down south in Houston, Texas. Now, as I've said before, if I'm going to talk about the Columbus crew who are from Ohio, it only makes sense to talk about Cincinnati FC, who's from Ohio as well, because if we know our geography, we should know that Columbus and Cincinnati are both in the same state. So, of course, I'm going to talk about both of those teams. More specifically for FC Cincinnati, Since the last time we met here at the Cleveland Sports Show, Cincinnati only played one game, just like the crew, and they tied that game as they hosted Sporting Kansas City. Final score of that game, 1-1. to Upcoming games for FC Cincinnati is tomorrow. They'll be all the way out in Los Angeles, California, to take on the best team in the MLS right now, LAFC. And then they will come back home to Cincinnati to face Real Salt Lake before... Heading out on a three game homestand against teams, excuse me, the three teams include the New York Red Bulls, Philadelphia, who defeated the crew two to nothing a few weeks ago, and then San Jose before coming back home. Now we're going to switch gears here, not from soccer yet, but from American soccer. We're going to fly across the Atlantic. Just close your eyes. Imagine yourself in the plane. You're flying to across the Atlantic, and now you're in Europe. So now we're going to talk about the UEFA Champions League. Now the updates for the UEFA Champions League are officially in. The first leg of the quarterfinal just concluded this past Wednesday. The first two set of games were this past Tuesday, April 9th, and it eventuated in Tottenham Hotspur defeating Manchester City by a final score of 1 to nothing. And then Liverpool defeated uh, Porto from Portugal by a final score of 2 to nothing thanks to a fifth-minute goal, early goal, by Nabi Keita, and then a 26-minute goal by Roberto Firmino for Liverpool to seal that victory in full-time. And then Ajax surprisingly tied Cristiano Ronaldo's Juventus-led squad who have dominated through Serie A so far this year. It was actually an extremely interesting match. Cristiano Ronaldo scored just at the half uh, time mark in 45 minutes. However, in extra time, or excuse me, the second half, um, right off in the start of the second half, David Neres scores for Ajax. Those were the only two goals of the game. Final score of that game, 1-1. And then last but certainly not least, Lionel Messi and his Barcelona squad were able to get the win in dramatic fashion over Manchester United, as Luke Shaw, note he does not play for Barcelona. He actually plays for Manchester United. But unfortunately, in the 12th minute, an unfortunate own goal cost Manchester United the game and gave Barcelona an easy victory in 90 minutes. Now, of course, this quarterfinal leg is not over. Teams who who are losing still can still have a chance. And The second level of the quarterfinals begins this upcoming Tuesday, the 16th. On Tuesday, the matches we have are Juventus taking on Ajax, Amsterdam. That aggregate score is 1 to 1, of course, because in the first games, um, the aggregate score is determined by what the score was in the first game. So, for example, because Barcelona beat Manchester City 1 to nothing, the aggregate score will be 1 to nothing in favor of Barcelona. So, like I said, the 16th, Juventus and Ajax Amsterdam are facing off as well as Barcelona and Manchester United. And then the very next day, the 17th, Manchester City and Tottenham Hotspur are facing off at 3 o'clock. Porto from Portugal are taking on Liverpool United. Then the semifinals, the first leg of the semifinals, we'll see who wins the quarterfinals. The first leg of those semifinals, excuse me, will begin April 30th for the UEFA Champions League. Some notable stats for the league so far in the tournament. Dusan Tadic still leads, is the top goal scorer in the UEFA Champions League so far with nine goals. Lionel Messi right behind him with eight. And tied with Messi is Robert Lewandowski with eight total goals. All right, moving on, everyone. We're going to take ourselves back to the United States and we're going to talk about some basketball here. As March Madness has officially concluded congratulations to the virginia cavaliers finishing 35 and 3 overall that's almost golden state warrior like the virginia cavaliers defeated the texas tech red rangers this past monday by a final score of 77 to 85 one of the craziest games in ncaa march madness history in the first half, the Cavaliers were able to outscore the Red Raiders 32-29. to 29. However, the Red Raiders outscored the Cavaliers by three. Note: this is not the Cleveland Cavaliers. These are the Virginia Cavaliers. We're going to talk about the Cavs later. And the game actually went into overtime. If you do the math properly, if you add 29 and 39 and 32 and 36, you're going to get equivalent values of that but this isn't math class so we're going to take you to overtime and in overtime the Virginia Cavaliers outscored the Red Rangers 17 to 9 for an eight-point victory over the Texas Tech Red Rangers. Of the Virginia Cavaliers Kyle Guy with 24 points 45 minutes he had three rebounds as well. DeAndre Hunter in 44 minutes put up nine rebounds and assist. To go along with 27 points. And then on Texas Tech side, Jarrett Culver in 41 minutes had 9 rebounds, 5 assists and 15 points. Brandon Francis in 37 minutes was able to put up 4 rebounds with 17 points. And then last but not least, Matt Mooney put up um, 10 points with 3 assists and 1 rebound. If you want to relive your awesome experience with the trophy ceremony of this this year's past March Madness championship, you can look on it where else but Twitter on my Twitter account at Nordonia Sports. If you want to relive that awesome moment when the Virginia Cavaliers hoisted the March Madness trophy, just all you have to do is just go to the Nordonia Sports account on Twitter, and you'll get to relive your happiness for as long as you desire. Now we're going to move on to the last time we're going to talk about this for a while so now we're going to talk about of course the cleveland cavaliers who have so much to be celebrating about they have a lot of partying to do you know why because they finished 14th in the eastern conference you know what that means they did not finish last place i definitely think that deserves um, a great round of applause for Congratulations, Cleveland. You did not finish last place. The Cavs finished 19 and 63 on the season, a 23% win percentage. They finish 13 and 28 at home. They have six, only six wins on the road compared to 35 losses on the road. And guess what they finished in their last, or what their record was in their last 10 games of the season? A big fat donut. And 10. They were 0 and 10 to finish off the season. They lost 10 in a row. What an absolute joke of a season for the Cavs. However, I'm gonna do my best to dissect some positives out of this complete mess that was the Cleveland Cavs season. And number one is I've talked about him all the time. If you've watched our show or listened to our show before, you will religiously hear me talk about The one, the only, Jordan Clarkson, who just is continuously, who should be sixth man of the year with these numbers. We haven't seen this before. I can Yes, you can give it to Lou Williams all day, every day. Jamal Crawford's always a great sixth man of the year candidate. But the reason I'm giving it to Jordan Clarkson this year is because it's something new. It's something I seriously did not expect. Jordan Clarkson made it look easy to score this year. This past Sunday, he only put up 2 points in 25 minutes. He has 1 for 8 from the field, 0 for 4 from 3-point range against the Spurs. We don't need to worry about that. Take that out of the equation. Apart from that 2-point performance, Jordan Clarkson has had double-figure scoring for the Cavs at least since almost a month ago on March 22nd against the Clippers. Jordan Clarkson this year has... Average about 16, 17 points per game, 16.8, we'll round it to 17. At about 27 minutes, he's about f- shooting about 45% from the field. 30, his three-point percentage can improve only 32%. But his ability to get to the hole—if you listen to Austin Carr on some of the Cavs games on for- Fox Sports Ohio—you'll listen to Austin Carr, and he'll talk about how it's so easy for this guy to get to the hoop. One, another positive, it's almost in a bittersweet situation for the Cavs, that's Kevin Love. And I have one major question for Kevin Love right now as it concerns next season. Kevin Love, are you going to play or not? I mean, I'm looking across the stat line and I'm seeing a decent... Since March 22nd against the Los Angeles Clippers, I'm looking at this stat line and right in front of my eyes... I'm seeing a lot of zeros, and from March 30th to April 5th, guess what the stat line is? All big donuts. Kevin Love did not play for four straight games for the Cavs, excuse me, those four straight games. His last game was against the San Antonio Spurs, where he, Spurs where he played 13 minutes at the Q, put up a whopping five points. Those are definitely all-star numbers. Five points. Two of four from the field. One for three from three three point range. Four rebounds, two assists, and a steal. I mean, yes, Kevin Love is coming off an injury. I'll give him that. But let's be 100% honest here. Let's look in the mirror and think. There's no LeBron James anymore. There's no LeBron James. That's probably one major reason why the Cavs were absolutely horrendous this year, But what does that also mean? That means a player such as Kevin Love, the all-star, who just signed the max deal with the Cavs this past summer, has to be able to step up. This year with the Cavs, Kevin Love has only played 22 games of the season. That is the second-lowest of not his just his stint in Cleveland or Minnesota, it's the second lowest of his entire career. The last time Kevin Love barely played in a season was in the 2012-2013 season, his second-to-last season with the Timberwolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves, where he only played 18 games. This year, he had a whopping 22. Wow, that's impressive, moving up by four. But the reason I'm disappointed in Kevin Love is because... I know what he can bring to the floor when he plays in those minutes. Just look at these numbers, or listen to these numbers, I should say. In the majority of the, the games in which Kevin Love has actually played in, in seasons, he has started those games. I'll give you a great example. In the 2014-15 season with the Cavs, his first season with the Cavs, and LeBron's first season back, Kevin Love played 75 games and got 75 starts in all those games, was in the starting lineup for all of them. Same thing for the with the Cavs for the next three years, even last year, played 59 games for the Cavs, started all 59 games. This year he played 22 games, as I just said, and only missed being in the starting lineup or only came off the bench one time. 21 games he started for the Cavs. But the reason I'm frustrated, the reason all of us Cleveland fans should be frustrated is because Listen to these numbers. This season, Kevin Love averaging 17 points um, in about 27 minutes, shooting 39% from the field, 36% from three-point range, 10 rebounds, uh, averaging two, uh, two assists per game, and about a steal per game. Are these numbers that, are these going to be the numbers that are going to put you in a category such as Paul George, Kevin Durant, or even James Harden? Well, obviously not. But at the same time, Kevin Love doesn't need to go absolute, you know, James Harden on everyone. What I'm saying is Kevin Love consists, when I think about consistency in Kevin Love, I'm not thinking about what he can do on the court. I'm thinking about how will his health be consistent. That's going to be the key factor going forward for the Cavs. The know, the Cavs know that they have him long-term, so what worries me is that if Kevin Love misses so many games, I'm not asking him to play every single minute of every single game. Stars have to take the night off to gear up for the playoffs. But didn't we say at the, before the Cavs season started, didn't even Kobe Altman, uh, David Griffin say themselves, J.R. Smith even discussed saying that they did not expect it to tank. The Cavs were still going to fight to get into the playoffs, even without LeBron. Well, guess what? 14th in the Eastern Conference doesn't help you make the playoffs. Being 19 and 63 doesn't help you make the playoffs. What needs to happen for the Cavs going forward? I will say this. Colin Sexton improvement, improvement towards the end of the year was absolutely phenomenal. He was scoring at will. If you saw the Cavs games, he could just get to the paint whenever he wanted. And his shooting increased as well. His three point shooting at the end of the season, his three point shooting at the end of the season, has now gone to 40%, about 40%. That's greater than Kevin Love as well. Ladies and gentlemen, that three-point percentage by Colin Sexton is also better than Jordan Clarkson's. But Jordan Clarkson, give me him any day of the week over Colin Sexton. But nonetheless, Colin Sexton's improvement as a rookie and now going into his second year, I definitely think will be one big boost for the Cavs. Now the Cavs have to see what position they get in the draft lottery, and if they get that first pick, boy, will they have some terrific options, and no doubt about it will Zion Williamson be on their top priority list. However, because the Cavs were statistically not the worst team in the East, the that was actually um, given to the New York Knicks, so give the New York Knicks a round of applause, everyone, for being the worst team in the Eastern Conference. Congratulations, New York! Somewhere, Stephen A. Smith is very proud of you guys for finishing off another horrendous season. Uh, let's to be more specific. The Knicks finished last in the East, 17 and 65 overall, 3 and 7 in their last games. But this is the Cleveland Sports Show. So let me wrap up what I have to analyze about the Cavs because um, I want to get into more interesting topics is that if basically here it is, if Kevin Love is consistent health wise and the Cavs are able to stockpile a quality draft pick and then build their players and have an overall consistently healthy roster, they can win games. Now, are they going to be, you know, 82-0 and or they might not even be a 50-win team, guys but they have the potential. I remember stating before the season started that the Cavs have the possibility to win about 30 games, and that was based on the analysis that they would have a healthy roster. Kevin Love would actually not play t- just 22 games. He'd play a significant amount of games, and I expected role players to step up a little bit more than they maybe were. The Cavs bench was actually doing very well this season. Um Then after they went then after they lost ten in a row, it really just faded away. But those are those were really the main aspects that I've been talking about, and we'll see what the Cavs do. Andrew and I will hopefully in the future talk about the Cavs in the the upcoming NBA draft. See what they'll be able to do. What pick will they get, or what position will they get, and who should they choose with that specific position? But, ladies and gentlemen, I am a very very happy man right now because. It's time to celebrate because something great has just happened. So let's celebrate for the few seconds here. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. The NBA playoffs have officially begun. The matchups are, have been up since, uh, yesterday or very late Wednesday night. We have the matchups for you. It is going to be absolutely awesome. They begin this upcoming Saturday. Our first game, game, the slate of game ones will begin this over the weekend. The Brooklyn Nets and the Philadelphia 76ers are facing off. The first two games are going to be at Wells Fargo Center. We've seen how great the Nets have been. The 76ers, of course, may not, may or may not have Joel Embiid for the game one, which is tomorrow at 2:30 in Philadelphia. The Toronto Raptors are a heavy favorite over the Orlando Magic. But congrats to the Orlando Magic for making the playoffs. What really it really seems um, for a while. However. The Raptors are the overwhelming favorites against the Magic, and given the fact that the first two games are in Scotiabank Arena, I have no doubt the Raptors can have an easy series win there. Another somewhat lopsided series is most likely going to be, this time in the Western Conference, the LA Clippers, Lou Williams, Shai gilgeous Alexander, Montreal Harrell, Patrick Beverly, all those guys, they're heading out to Oakland for, and it, this will be the final postseason at Oracle Arena, as they will take on Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and the Golden State Warriors. Game 1 of that series tomorrow at 8 o'clock Eastern Time on ABC. And then our final game for Saturday is the San Antonio Spurs against the Denver Nuggets. Now, I don't know about you, but this is definitely going to be a series that I am very intrigued by. And I will say this. Now, some of you may think, oh, Darius, you're crazy. There's no chance. But... I'm going to give the San Antonio Spurs a great chance to win this first-round series against the Denver Nuggets. Rarely do you hear about a Greg Popovich team being the underdog, but this is probably going to be the case, just given how each team has been playing throughout the season. Now, the reason I give the one main reason I give the Spurs a chance is due to the lack of playoff experience that Denver has. Not to mention that the Spurs also have the All-Star DeMar DeRozan who this year put up some pretty great numbers who this past year in his first member first year as a member of the San Antonio Spurs was putting up about 21 points per game in 35 minutes and he did shoot fifteen about 16% from three-point range, but that doesn't matter because he was shooting almost 50% from mid-range, one of the greatest mid-range game scores that this league has ever seen. Of course, you also have to add in um, LaMarcus Aldridge, who this year has been putting up um, about 21 points similar to DeRozan. 33 in 33 minutes, shooting about 52% from the field, 22 or 24% from three point range, averaging about nine assists, three, nine rebounds, three assists to go along with one block per game. Now, when you think about efficiency, you don't think about, oh, you know, Lamarcus Aldrich is 20 or 20, excuse me, 28% from three point range. You don't think about How DeMar DeRozan is only 16%, shooting 16% from three point range. When you think of efficiency, you think of numbers such as, numbers like 48%, which is the overall field goal percentage of DeMar DeRozan. And then Lamarcus Aldridge is almost at 50%. He's at 49.1%. He has been absolutely, the Spurs have been terrific this season, especially you know, I a lot of us do not expect them to do this well, given the fact that they lost the star in Kawhi Leonard. But we've seen that DeMar DeRozan can play. However, they are going to have a challenge, given that the first two games are in Denver, and we know what Nikola Jokic, Gary Harris, and Jamal Murray can bring to the table for the Nuggets. However, the only reason I give the Spurs a chance, not only is, of, is it because of LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan, but it's also because of the lack of playoff experience that the Nets overall as a team have. Now going back to our playoff schedule, that is only half of the games that I have talked about. On the other side, of um, which is going to be this upcoming Sunday, the Indiana Pacers and the Boston Celtics, we really knew this was going to be the first round matchup for each of these teams. We just didn't know who was going to get home court. However, that has been decided. The Celtics will get the home court advantage against the Indiana Pacers. Game 1 of that series will be at 1 o'clock on Sunday on TNT. Then right after that at 3.30 on ABC, the Oklahoma City Thunder and Portland Trail Blazers will battle that out in the Rose City game 1 of that series on Sunday. And then Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond will be in Milwaukee to face the Greek freak Giannis Antetokounmpo. Similar to the Nuggets scenario... The Bucs not with, not with, excuse me, not with a lot of playoff experience heading into this, this upcoming playoff season. However, they do remember that bitter loss in the first round in seven games to the Celtics. So I'm sure they have much more harsh intentions in mind as they come in with, to this series against the Detroit Pistons. That, the first two games of that series will be, as I said, in Milwaukee. And then our last, our final game, or our final series of the first round is, was actually a matchup of the Western Conference semifinals last year. The Utah Jazz and the Houston Rockets. We'll be able to, we'll see James Harden the Beard and my choice for MVP candidate. How can he not be against Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz tomorrow at 930 on TNT. Kyle Corver, the former Cav, will of course be playing in Houston. Last year, the Rockets were able to take the series, excuse me, by a final, uh, margin of four games to one. The Rockets actually took both games in Salt Lake City after the Jazz tied up the series in Houston at one. The Rockets won both games in Salt Lake City to take that 3-1 lead and then eventually defeated the Jazz in five games back at home in Houston. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for our playoff uh, discussion for this week. What are your predictions for tomorrow? There are a lot of great matchups that you're gonna get to see this weekend. Make plans, everyone, because this is going to be a terrific playoff year. But what are your predictions? Who do you think is going to win game one? And who do you think is going to win the entire series in that in this first round? Let me know at Nordonia Sports, Darius Stefna. So much anticipation this year for the playoffs. I am super excited. Cannot wait. And last, but certainly not least, let's get, let's move to baseball and talk about the Cleveland Indians for a bit here. The Indians are now eight and four on the season. They'll be in Kansas City to take on the Royals tonight, who are two and 10 in their first 12 games. They will face off uh, tonight at eight fifteen and the Indians, after defeating the Blue Jays in all four of their matchups, which was one big reason of why they're eight and four right now at Progressive Field, the Indians went to Detroit to take on the Tigers for a three game series there where they in the first game, the Indians defeated the Tigers by a final score of eight to two. the Indians, after two innings, innings led by a final led by a score of 3 to 1 then they led by 5 to 2 after 5 innings and then eventually were able to take an 8 are uh, were and then after the 5th inning the Indians did not concede any runs as they defeated the Tigers 8 to 2 however in their second meeting of the 3 in Detroit the Tigers were able to hand the Indians their most recent loss of the season. After the first inning, the Tigers were up two to nothing. The Indians were unable to score until the sixth inning where they actually were able to get one run, one run, excuse me. However, in that same inning, the Detroit Tigers doubled that amount and won the sixth inning by a final, or by a score of two to one runs which therefore led to the Detroit Tigers defeating the Indians by a final score of 4-1. to However, in the third matchup, the Indians were able to take this three-game series in Detroit 2-1 with a 4 nothing win against the Tigers in Detroit. They led by one after the first inning, and then in the third and fourth innings scored a run in each of them, before in the seventh inning... They final defi- they finally, or excuse me. They put on their final run in the seventh inning, winning the game four to nothing. Upcoming matches, ladies and gentlemen, for the Indians includes I did tell you about that game with the Royals. Tonight's game with Kansas City actually starts the first of three straight games in Kansas City. The Indians will face the Royals tomorrow at seven fifteen, and then on Sunday at two fifteen before they head to Seattle for another three-game road trip against the Mariners. After that trip against the Mariners, the Indians will head back to Progressive Field for five straight games, including games against the Atlanta Braves and Marlins. More specifically on standings for the Cleveland Indians, they lead the American League Central Division with in first place uh, to be more specific, eight and four as their overall record, about a 66% winning percentage. They're five and one on home and playing 500 baseball on the road. They're three and three when they are away from progressive field this season. And in their last 10, they are seven and three. And the good news for them tonight is that the Royals have lost 10 in a row. So after starting out the season two and zero, the Royals have lost 10 straight games to have, of course, Give them a record of two and ten, and that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes the our episode of the Cleveland Sports Show this week. Sorry that Andrew was unable to make it, but before I go, I want to let you guys know that if you haven't recently, head out to NordoniaHills.news as we have a lot of great new material coming up, a lot coming on, uh, going on here in Nordonia, especially. With the Wizard of Oz play here at Nordonia High School. We also, if you haven't yet, I have mentioned it in the episode as well. Go to my Twitter account, at Nordonia Sports. I'm Dariah Sefna. If you want to uh, relive the glory of the Virginia Cavaliers winning it all in the March Madness this year. Or if you want to see Dwayne Wade's final post-game interview in Miami. Check it out on my Twitter account as we have some awesome stuff coming up as well. I also have the NBA MVP debate between James Harden and Giannis Antetokounmpo, so if you haven't seen that, you're missing out on a lot of awesome action, so make sure you check that out. But until next time, thank you guys very much for listening. Have a terrific weekend. It'll be an awesome weekend with the NBA playoffs, so make sure you watch a lot of it, and I'll see you next time for another awesome edition of the Cleveland Sports Show. Thank you guys so much and until next time.